God, we love that song. We love you. We thank you so much for all you're doing. Yeah, just give God a hand. It's wonderful to be here today with your people to celebrate what you are doing and what you have done and what you want to do in this church. We love you, God, and we want to serve you with all that we are and all that we have. And I thank you for our young people who are engaged and engaged in making sure that the church has a future and the church has a way that can lead people to know you. And I pray that you would speak to everybody here today, every person. You may wonder if God's even real. You may wonder if God is here for you. You may feel stuck and wondering if he is a way maker. I pray today that as you are here, that God would reveal himself to you, that you would see him, know him, trust him, and walk with him into the future that he has for you that he says is good as he forms us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you for that promise and that vision. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. That'd be great. So happy that you're here today and uh, that we get to celebrate 28 years together. So good morning. I'm Ron Thompson. I get to be one of the pastors here. And it's been my joy to be here for the entire 28 years. And so it's been a lot of fun to be part of our church family. I love it so much. And I'm just so glad that you're here. I'm so glad for those who are watching online and that some of the people will be watching this in the future from the Nevada County Jail or from Escaton, where we have services as well during the week. And so they watch them in the future and they get to have opportunity to be part of that. So I'm just really excited to be, I'm going to give you some reasons why I'm excited, okay, about why this is such a cool day for us. Well, I, first of all, I'm excited because I know God is here. I know God is with us. I know that God has been here and with us since the very beginning uh, when six families got together in a living room and they decided as they were listening to God's voice, they decided that they would be part of starting a church in Nevada County, that that church would have a purpose. And that church would be a purpose that would be bringing glory and honor to God and reaching people far from him. And bringing them in and helping them to know his love and grow in his love. I'm just so thankful beyond belief for those families and what they've been able to do and how they've been able to bring us to a place where we are today, how God has worked through us. So I'm thankful to God. I just want to let you know that uh, I pray that every time that we gather today or every time that we engage as a church family, that what we do brings honor to him, that people see him that they are able to be drawn to him and know that God loves them and that they would learn to experience his son, Jesus Christ, and to know him and enter into a relationship with him, to follow him. And then they would learn to rely on his Holy Spirit to guide them and lead them and empower them in life. I'm also grateful for you. I'm grateful that you show up. I remember when we had our first service, and we like, okay, who's going to come, right? And the first service, 158 people showed up over in Nevada City, where we were meeting at the time at uh, what is now Forest Charter, and we didn't know. We had no idea what God was going to do, and so 158 people that week, and I was amazed by that. And actually, I'm amazed every week when you show up, honestly. <laughs> Oh my goodness, it's, so, it's just a miracle. <laughs> I'm just so glad to be part of what God is doing here. And so I'm grateful that you're willing to just come in, get involved, invest yourself, embrace the call that God has given us 
in this community to impact it and then around the world as well. So I just want to thank you for your commitment uh, to the mission that God gave us to engage together, to lead as many people as possible into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, that that's our mission, that's what we're trying to do, that's what we're listening to him for all the way. And then just lately, we've been talking about this idea that as his apprentices, as his followers, that we will learn to be with Jesus, we will then become like Jesus, and we will do what Jesus did. That that's exactly what we're trying to do. It's all about him. And then lastly, I'm just really thrilled to start a new series today on Jonah I would have never thought that this would be like a kickoff series for a birthday celebration, but it really has turned out to be amazing in its depth and its focus, and I believe today that you're going to see that as we go through this today. So let me ask this. Are you excited about Jonah? Are you excited about Jonah? I think it's going to be good. If not, I believe you will be today, okay? You're like, Jonah who, right? Uh, is it the Jonas Brothers? No, it's Jonah, okay? So we're going to look at this. And talk about today. So if you go open your Bible to the book of Jonah, and if you're like me, you might have needed a little refresher. So if you're wondering where Jonah is, just go to Matthew and then go left, okay? That's probably the easiest way to find it. It's one of the uh, smaller books in the Old Testament where the prophets are and where they reside. Also, I'm going to invite you to grab your message notes out of your program, and they, all the Bible verses will be here from Jonah, so that'll be helpful for you today. And just want to encourage you, if you don't own a Bible, our goal is that everyone in Nevada County would have a Bible in their home, and that if you don't have one, that you would take one today, and that you would use this on your own to be able to read about God and his love for you and the life that you can have in him. So today's message is about how God sometimes interrupts our lives. Anybody ever had God interrupt your life? You're going one direction, and then something changes, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to go this direction, and then you realize and find him in that new direction, that he was part of that all of the time. I think that's what happens. I don't think the founding families who got together in that living room, and they were listening uh, to some instructions on how they could start a church that would be as interested in those who don't go to church as those who are in church, I don't think that they realized when they were meeting in that living room, they could have anticipated how their calling that they received from God could impact their lives for both the good and the difficult. We used to joke around with each other. After we were you know, a few years old, we'd joke around and say, you really don't want to be in leadership at our church because there's something going to happen in your life that's not positive because we're against an enemy that wants to come against us, and it's a struggle, and it's been hard many times. I've seen suffering on the part of the founding families and those who were part of the early core of our church as Satan would come against them and push against them, and so I don't believe that we could have anticipated the cost when we started our church, and I just like today, I don't believe we can anticipate the cost or what might come against us in some way, but also we can't anticipate all the good that God is going to bring and how wonderful it is to see the change lives. So Jonah is one of 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament. I'm going to give you some context today. That's my goal, context today. Now, when I say minor prophet, it doesn't mean less than in importance, okay? So it doesn't mean that at all. It means less than in volume. So they didn't have as many words to say. And so they would write smaller books or chronicles of what God was saying. Jonah is only four chapters long, as you're going to see as we go through this. It's only 47 verses long, and we're going to look at every one of those 47 verses. And here's what I want to say. It may be short, but it's not lacking in importance. Okay, All of God's word 
is there for us, and it can speak to us, and it can challenge us, and it can change us. Now, Jonah's story is about the mystery of following God's calling when I'm on a mission from him, when I hear a message from him. It's about the deep mercy that God has for every one of us. It's about the freedom we can know when we worship God first and foremost, that we place him first in our lives. So I want to begin this way by asking a question and just kind of some association here. So when we talk about Jonah, most of the time when I say Jonah, I would say Jonah and the... Well, there we go. Okay, I just want you to know, that's not the story. Okay, that's not the story. That's not it at all. So sometimes when you think about Jonah, you may think of a picture like this, right? That looks like that. And uh, isn't that an amazing painting? Oh, my. He's being spit up onto the shore by the great fish there. Now, some of you, honest, just be honest, you're skeptical about this story. You, you look at that, they really? A fish? Swallowing a man, lived inside the belly for three days. You know, come on. That's like elementary Sunday school stuff, flannel graph stuff, or veggie tail stuff. So you look at that, you say, really? Is that really the way it is? Some of you feel that way. Well, I love how a little girl really got the gist of the story. And so she was traveling on a plane to visit her grandparents. And as she was on the plane, her parents had given her a book to read. And so it might be similar to this book here. It's called Man on the Run. So I encourage you, if you have kids or grandkids, this is an awesome book about Jonah, Man on the Run. So she might have been reading a book like this, and she had it open, and there was a businessman sitting next to her, and he looked over and saw that she was reading about Jonah. And you know, he said to her, because he was skeptical, because he's an adult, right? And he's just a little kid reading this children's story. And he says, you don't really believe that story about Jonah being swallowed by a whale, do you? And she said, well, yes, yes, I do believe that story. And he said, well, what if it's not true? And she said, well, you know, one day when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. (laughs) And, And so he was a pretty sharp guy. And he says, well, what if Jonah isn't in heaven? And she didn't beat you know, miss a beat. She just looked right in the eyes of this businessman and said at that moment, well, then I'll let you ask him. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Nailed! (laughs) I love that. Now, folks, I just want you to know that Jonah is a real man, real man. He lived in a real time. He went to a real city, a real country, All the the things that are talked about in Jonah have been proven through archaeological discoveries. He went to Nineveh. He had a real message from a real God to real people. So everything about the story is real. This is not a parable. This is not an allegory. This is not historical fiction. This is a real story about God's deep mercy that we all need to hear and we all need to receive. Now, here's the main character in the story. The main character is God. You have to know that in everything you read in the Bible. The main character is God. And it's about him and the deep mercy that he has for every human being. And I'll just say also for his his creation. He has deep love for his creation. So this painting, it's a pretty accurate representation. uh, But as cool as it is, that's not what this story is about. In fact, when you read through the book of Jonah, you discover 
that this fish only covers about three verses. Only about three verses out of the 47 that I mentioned. And yet most of us associate Jonah with the fish, right? And that's where we get stuck and that's where we get hung up. And I just want to encourage us that there is more to it than that. So I don't know if you're familiar with the Jewish tradition, but in the Jewish tradition, uh, Yom Kippur is the day of atonement. And so this is the day when the Jewish people come together. This is not individual. They come together and they read about God's mercy. They read about their sin and they confess and they repent. And it's a full-on day affair. And at the end of the day, they read the book of Jonah out loud together out loud. And when they're finished with the last verse of Jonah, they say these words out loud as a family. We are Jonah. We are Jonah. Just like Jonah needed God's mercy, we need God's mercy as a people. Just like Jonah was called to carry God's mercy to the world, we are called to carry God's mercy into our world. And they would end this time with repentance about their need for Jonah. I mean, their need for God, their need for mercy and repentance on their lack of taking God's mercy to the world. What God had called them to do as a family. Now, there's two key verses I want us to kind of get under our belt today as we begin this series. The first one is from Jonah 2.9. And uh, this is after he's been thrown up by the fish on the banks of the shore. And he says this, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, you can imagine this, we're going to get to this in a couple of weeks, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Would you underline that? Salvation comes from the Lord. One of the key verses in the entire Bible. From the Lord. I've been listening to a song lately when I have my Sabbath time on Fridays when a time I get to be alone or have some time to listen to music. Uh, I've been listening to a song. It's by uh, two individuals called Shane and Shane. They're brothers, and uh, they've done, they sing a version of a song that was written by somebody else. And the song is, The Lord is My Salvation. I just love that song, The Lord is My Salvation. And I was listening to it on Friday of this week, and it begins by talking about the seas being in torment. And that's exactly what we're going to see in the next week, we look at, in the next two weeks as we look at Jonah. The Lord is my salvation. And that's what Jonah realizes about God, that salvation comes from the Lord. One of the books I want to recommend in the series is by Tim Keller. Uh, and uh, we put several copies in the bookstore if you want to look at this. Um, and you can't have mine. My, I, I, I mark every one of my, I'm like a dog. I mark every one of my books <laughs> with coffee stains, okay? So just know that I'll recognize it if you take this, okay? So there we go. But you might want to pick up one. It's, a, it's by Tim Keller. This is what he says. He says, salvation belongs to God alone, to no one else. If someone is saved, it is wholly God's doing. It is not a matter of God saving you partly and you saving yourself partly. No, God saves us. We do not and cannot save ourselves. That's the gospel. Salvation is from the Lord. Now, this next verse gives us some idea on why Jonah was reticent to follow through with God's call in his life and his mission and his message. And it says this in verse 4. We'll get to this uh, on March 29th. And he says this, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, and abounding in love. I want you to listen to this again. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, 
and abounding in love. Does that encourage you? Does that encourage you that that's who our God is? Does that bring you comfort? I think it does when we hear those words, we read those words. But what we're going to see in this series is that that was not encouraging to Jonah. That was not encouraging, in fact, because he knew that that was God's character. And spoiler alert, he knew that God would eventually forgive the Ninevites, who were their arch enemies. He didn't want them to know that God. He wanted them to suffer. And that's one of the things we're going to look at in this series. So it didn't comfort him. So we're first introduced to Jonah in the Old Testament in another book called 2 Kings 14, 23 through 25. And this is what it says as the introduction to Jonah. It says, in the 15th year of Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, and that would be Jeroboam II, by the way, son of Jehoash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria. So I really, really want you to know who's king, right? So they, but all this lineage in here so that we know that. He was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebo Hamath to the Dead Sea in accordance, notice, in accordance with the word of the Lord. So this would be in accordance with the prophecy that had been spoken to him. In accordance with that, and it says this, Jonah, the son of Amittai, Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hefer. In these verses, we learn several key truths about Jonah. I just want to fill these in if you want to. Uh, first, we learn his name, so that's pretty easy, Jonah. You can write that down. Now, his name means dove, and so Jonah's primary message was one of peace. Jonah is the Lord's dove who brings peace. Second, we know his nationality. He was an Israelite. He was an Israelite. He was part of the northern tribe. The split had happened. There was a northern and a southern kingdom, and which meant that he saw himself as a servant of God. We know his family. So uh, Amittai, Amittai was his dad. And so we know that. And it kind of gets him into the genealogy of the nation of Israel. Amittai's name means truth. And isn't that a good name for a prophet's father? Is that he was, came from the father of truth. And so as he's sharing his prophecy. Fourth, we know his occupation. He was called the prophet, not a prophet. So he was distinguished as he was the prophet of the northern kingdom. He's not one of many. He was the, he was the one that they looked at. He was the primary prophet in this season of Israel's life. And we know that King Jeroboam II, he reigned from about 786 B.C. to about 746 B.C. So Jonah was written somewhere towards the end of Jeroboam's reign. That would be my, you know, scholar's you know, guess as well as mine as we looked at it. Somewhere maybe around 752 B.C., somewhere in that arena we know that Jonah was written. So as the prophet to the northern kingdom, when it said that it, they expanded because of the word of the Lord, we know that Jonah would hear from God and he would declare God's message. So that was his goal, to hear from God, that was his job, and then to declare God's message from the people. And what we know of Jonah before our story begins is that he had foretold good things for God's people and there had been a season of expansion. And as a result, he was probably very popular, very popular he probably enjoyed security that uh, they would look at him. He probably had a house or a certain place that he could call his own that he would live in. And some scholars believe he probably was wealthy because he was given money by Jeroboam because of how good his uh, prophecies had been and how they had come true in his life. And so that's some about him. And then last, we know his home. He was from Gath-Hefer. 
so we know his location and where it was that he lived. This is really important as we get to the story in a minute. So these are five things we know about Jonah before his life was interrupted, and he was called to deliver his message to the Ninevites. So let's just jump in uh, with verse 1. We're going to cover three verses today. Uh, and so verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh. So notice that you might underline great city. So it's, this, is, this is like the top dog city of the Assyrian Empire and its day. And preach against it. So talk against it. Push against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. And then that's all we get. And then it says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So let's just look at a map here, just to give us an idea of what we're talking about. And so we're going to look at this map. The red circle, in the middle of the red circle, is Mosul. And so we know that. That was the home of ISIS, and that was a really, really dangerous place to live, especially if you're a Christian. Uh, a few years ago when the uprising was there and they destroyed. Well, it's on the west bank of the Tigris River and on the east bank of the Tigris River is Nineveh, the ruins of Nineveh. So it's right there. They're side by side. So that's where Nineveh is. And so it was built there. So let's look at the next picture here and let's talk a little bit about this. So there was a city and when it said great city, it was uh, the circumference around the perimeter was about seven and a half miles. Pretty big city, right? About 120,000 people we're going to learn in just a little bit living in the city. That would be counting all those who lived outside of the city. And you see the walls there, walls. You see there's those squares. Those squares are gates. There were 15 gates around the city like this. So when people would come to the city, they would go through a gate. That's how they got in and out, and that's how they kept marauders from getting inside. And the wall was 100 feet high and 50 feet wide. It's impenetrable. It's massive, this wall that was there. In fact, ISIS, in, uh, a few years ago, decided they would show their might, and they destroyed some of the gates of Nineveh uh, and some of the archaeological sites just to, just to prove they could um, and to leave nothing for history. And so that's an idea. So let's look at the next map, and let's talk a little bit about what else is going on here. In the next map, it shows you what happens. So you see on the far right is Gath Heifer. And so that's where he was. That's his home. A is Joppa, so when God called him, he said no, and he went to Joppa. God would call him to go to B, which is Nineveh. B is about 550 miles from Beth Hefer, where he was, so he would have a journey of about 550 miles that he would do sooner or later, okay? So we're going to find out, and so he gets to do it later. And he went to Joppa, and he went to Joppa, and there was a ship there, and that ship uh, was going to Tarshish, which is way over here at sea on the left in Spain, and in this day, this was like the end of the world, okay? If you have a flat earth kind of thing going on, this is as far as humanity had gone. This is as far as civilization had gone, and so he was going as far away as he could from the calling God had given him, but more importantly, it says he was going from the Lord. See, so he was trying to escape from God. One thing I just want to mention here is that um, sometimes when we're trying to say what's God, what is God's will, what is God calling us to do, we use a phrase. And the phrase is, well, there was an open door, and so I went through it. Or we say it was a closed door, and I stopped. Jonah went to 
Joppa, and he found an open door that was the wrong door. So sometimes we have to be careful to say open doors mean God's will. We can always find a ship heading to Joppa, I mean heading to Tarshish. And so we just have to be careful that we're on the right ship. And so we see that from that story there that God had called him to go east, and yet he had gone west, and that's where he was. So with that context, turn your notes over in the backside. I want to make four quick observations and about what we can learn from Jonah. And four things about God's interruptions that we can learn from him. And the first one is this. God's interruptions come from his word. It's from his voice. It's from God speaking. Come from his word. It says in Jonah 1.1, the word of the... He was used to hearing the word of the Lord, right? He was a prophet. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. God's message, folks, I'll just tell you this, will come from his word. God's message doesn't come from us from reading magazines or watching Netflix or from talking to friends. God's message comes specifically and clearly through his word as he speaks to us. This is why it's so important, why I said a while ago, is that our goal is that every home in Nevada County would have one of these in their home. Because we want someone to be able to open it up and not have to come to church to hear God's word, but right there in their home, they could read this and they could hear God's word and God could speak to them right from this book. See, God spoke to the original founders of our church as they were in a living room and they heard this calling and the calling was that they would build a church that was, it was based on uh, carrying out Jesus' words of the Great Commission. And that is to go into all the world and make disciples of all people and to baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and to lead them to obey me, to teach them to obey me. And he said, I'll be with you every step of the way. So they built a church on that and they built a church on the great commandment. The great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors yourself. Those all, that all came, our mission came from God's word. Who we are as a church came right from that. And God blessed us as we stepped out by following what his word said. I'll just say this, God, God can speak to you anytime you hear his word. So you don't have to just come to church to hear God's word. You can hear God's word through a podcast. You can hear God's word through a Bible app. You can hear God's word through a meditation. You can hear God's words in many ways, but just know that you've got to be getting God's word into you. So if you listen to a podcast and, they and you're thinking this is helping to grow spiritually, but they never talk about God's word, more than likely, you may not be getting exactly what God wants you to hear. They have to bring it from God's word, bring you the truth from his word, and that's how God speaks. Second, God's interruptions require a step of faith. They require a step of faith. So here's the, you know, we're going to get the rubber meets the road a little bit here. When we hear God's voice and we hear a call, call from him, it's more than likely going to require a step of faith of some kind. It may just be a teeny tiny step. It may be a huge step. It may be what you would call a leap. Uh, it may be something that you want to be transported to another place. But God's call requires faith in some way. This is what he said to, jo to Jonah. It says this, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. This is going to require faith, folks, that he does this. See, not only was Nineveh a great city, but they, they were known the world over. They were part of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrian Empire was known the world over for how cruel they were. I'm going to spare your stomachs by not telling you the atrocities that they would do to other human beings, the barbarism that they lived by, 
the lack of any kind of belief that another person had any value at all in their terrorist ways as they wanted to scare people into submission. They intimidated everyone who came against them and then everyone who heard about them because they were so bad. They were the ISIS. They were the Boko Haram of their day. That's how bad they were. And Jonah was being called by God to go to this cruel city and preach again. He said, oh, up until now, God, everything that I've said has been good. And now you want me to go to the city and you want me to preach against them. You want me to talk against them. And so part of this is a racial barrier too, folks, is that he was Jewish and the Assyrians were another nationality. And so the Jews were anti-Assyrian and they didn't want to have anything to do with them. So he had to cross over even racial barriers to be able to go and talk to them. He had to step over his anger. He had to step over his prejudice. He had to step over his hatred. And I'll just say this. He had to step over his fear. Can you imagine going to you know, ISIS today and, ah, I need to talk about what you're doing. It's not really what God wants, right? How fearful that would be to be put in that place to be able to have to go do that. So we're going to come back to this in a couple of weeks and talk about it more. But God, Jonah struggled with God's sense of fairness, that God would do this. He struggled with God's offer of mercy, because that's what he was hearing here, an offer of mercy to the Ninevites. Even though God didn't say it here, he says in verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 2, that he knew God's character, and he knew that that would be what God would actually desire. He struggled with that. He had to trust in God, that God had the best plan, even though... Uh, and that he was putting his reputation and his life on the line. Number three, God's interruptions open opportunities for impact. They open opportunities for impact. So one of the ways, I could, one of the ways you can know that God's speaking is, that, is, that, is an opportunity, not for you, but for others. That I'm going to help others as I step out into this message and carry out that God has given us. So he gave Jonah a message, and he may give us a message that would go to people that we don't love, even to people we hate, and that would be Jonah. When we follow God's calling, though, it opens up, us up to be able to impact the world. To be, because it's wickedness, God said, has come up before me. Now, this is the same language that God used about Sodom and Gomorrah. This will help you when we get later on in the story, if you can recall that. Same kind of language, Sodom and Gomorrah. And we must remember that God hates sin. And the reason God hates sin is that sin violates his holy character, who he is, and it hurts people. So when we see this verse, we are reminded of a couple things here. If you would just own this today, that we are Jonah, we are also the Ninevites. We are also people who sin. We are also people who turn from God. We are also people who go our own way. We are also people who hurt others. So we are both in this story, Jonah and the Ninevites, and God sees evil inside of us. And so we're like, okay, if he sees this evil, then is there any hope? And yes, there's hope. Look what it says in 2 Peter 3. It says, the Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So when it says that God is patient here, what it's saying is that God's on your side. You may not know this, but God's on your side. God wants you in his family. He wants you in your kingdom. He wants you to experience mercy. He wants you to know his forgiveness. He wants you to walk with him. He wants to bless with you. He's patient, and he's waiting so that you can experience him, and then you can repent. You can turn from your evil ways, and you can turn and say, I'm going to make progress toward moving toward him and following him. So then how do we do this? How do we live in a hostile, in a hostile world? 
How do we live for God in a hostile world that's hostile against our faith, hostile against our God, hostile against people overall? Well, I believe the Bible tells us, and this verse from Jeremiah 29 says this, here's what God said to his people when they were going into the hostile lands. They were being relocated there in a land that wasn't their own by their enemies. And he says this, here's what you would do, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So God wants us to work for our city. Yesterday, I had a visit with a guy, and we were talking, and um, he had been at our church back in the, we, the gold run days in Nevada City. And one of the things he said to me is that as he's watched what Twin Cities Church has done over the years, is he just made this comment. He says, you guys are so for the city. You're so for our community. That's what you're known for. And I thought, well, that's awesome because this is a guy who doesn't go to church. And he's hearing that. He's hearing what God is doing through us as we carry out God's word here. So that's our mission. Here's what Jesus says about that. It says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We all know about salt and light. Salt and light exist for something besides itself. Salt preserves seasons brings taste, flavor. Light illuminates so th- and creates life. And so when he calls us a salt and life, he says, that's what you are here for. You are here to season the world, bring flavor into the world, and you are here to bring the light and to help people to know me, to shine on in existence. So last observation, and I'll close, okay? It's this. God's interruptions may seem too costly, So when God's messages come, your first reaction may be, who's paying for this? Or this is too costly. Look at what I have to give up. And that's exactly what happened to Jonah. God's call on his life seemed too costly for him. It was going to require him to step out in faith. It was going to require him to give up his security, to move out of his homeland, uh, to move forward in this way that might cause him to lose his wealth caused him to lose his reputation, caused people to think he was crazy, that he had gone off the deep end in some way. He was going to be called to go to the most hated enemies of his nation, and so they would think that maybe he was betraying them as he went there, that he was maybe going to give them secret information as a spy in some way. And so all of this so that he could give them a message that would result in them receiving God's great mercy. So How did Jonah respond? How did he respond? This is what it says in verse 3. But Jonah ran away. Ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Notice that it says, away from the Lord, flee from the Lord. It says twice. Now, theology 101. God is... Everywhere. Everywhere. So he's not getting away from God here. So what's he doing? He's breaking relationship with God. He's saying, God, you may be with me, but I don't want you anymore. I'm running from you. He's breaking relationship with God. And that happens to all of us at some point where God's called us to do something. God's led us to go somewhere. And the cost is so high that we would rather go there without God 
than with God. The cost is so costly. And he fled. He became a runner. We're going to talk about that next week. What that means is he was a runner. So before we wrap up, so we're kind of done with this. I just want to wrap up with a couple of questions. The first is this, and I already said it. Can we ever run away from the presence of God? No, we can't because uh, he's there. I want to read this quote to you I read on um, Friday. And so I was just kind of uh, thinking a little bit about our talk. Uh, many of you may have heard of Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a missionary, and uh, he went to a tribe in the Amazon, and uh, he, ultimately he was killed by the tribe that he was going there to share Jesus with. It was a very costly, costly mission. And his wife, Elizabeth, wrote about him, had quotes from his journals and from his sermons. And this is one of them. This is what Jim Elliott said. This is from the book, Through the Gates of Splendor. He who maketh ease his God, sufficiency his altar, pleasure his priest, and time his offering, knows not what man was born for. Jonah made himself his God. And what Jim Elliot said, and he died, he says, no, I'm going because I trust God. And he said this, there's nothing that's too difficult. There's nothing that God won't provide. There's nothing else I can do that brings me more pleasure. And there's nothing else I would want to do with the life that God has given me this is what I was born for. This is what I was born for. And I just want to say that as we move into our 29th year as a church family, that this is what we're born for. This is what we're made for. We are here to deliver God's message of mercy and love and grace to a culture that would be pushing against everything Christian so that we can step out with him and that we can help others to embrace the mercy and grace and love that we have learned to know ourselves. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for this anniversary, this birthday opportunity celebration. I thank you for the story of Jonah and how much you've used this story in my life just in this week and uh, and the preparation up until today as well as I've been so challenged. Uh, and Lord, I pray that you would help us, that we would be people who build our lives on your word and listen to you speak through your word. We'd realize that you didn't give us your word just to be information in our heads, that you want your word to then transform us. You want your word to empower us. You want your word to inspire us. You want your word to activate us for you and your kingdom. So I pray, God, that you would activate us through your word. I pray, God, that you would help us to hear your calling. You would help us to respond to you. You would help us to know that when the, when the evil one comes and he wants to give us the messages that this is too costly, that we would say there's nothing too costly for Jesus Christ who gave me his life that I can have life. And he's my way maker. He's the one I'll follow into the future that he's called us to do as a family and each of us individually in him. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.